Hey folks, I have something really important to talk to you about, so please don't fast forward. Jesse, your queer aunt, uh, beloved Griffin Dyke extraordinaire, recently suffered a really bad knee injury and is looking at a year minimum of recovery because she was in the process of training to become a carpenter when this happened. She is currently unemployed and is facing the prospect of being unemployed for a long time, but we are not going to let that happen. Instead, what's going to happen is that we are doing a major Patreon push so that making Hashtag Ruthless happen becomes also Jesse's full-time job. So what we're doing is aiming to get to $6,666.66 a month, I am not joking, in order for Jesse and I to both make $20 an hour or $40,000 a year, the math breaks down to 666666, which is incredible and I think a really good omen and uh, makes me feel a lot of certainty that we are going to be able to make this happen. So please, if you've ever thought about our Patreon, if you don't even care about our Patreon but still have some money that you're willing to throw our way, if you're already a patron, but you feel like you could give a little more, please head to patreon.com slash thegailyprofit. Help us make this a reality, removing that stress, um, especially with all the medical bills that are going to be coming up, will be so helpful. Um, Patreon is a monthly, reliable source of income. So it's money that we know is going to come in every month. It's definitely the best way that you all can support us. I added some new tiers, so you can now pledge at 3, 7, 13, 21, or $33 per month, or you can pledge yearly. Let's make this happen, folks. We have so much faith in the community that we've built, and we are so grateful for all of you. We're truly doing the biggest trust fall. Um, I'm doing the trust fall. Jesse's going to stay seated, but Thank you. Thanks for hearing me out. And now get ready for such an incredible episode. We had the most amazing guest on for this episode. Y'all are in for such a treat. Gay people love puns. I'm dead. <laughs> we have to stop this podcast. Well, this book causes Satanism. What is left for us to rant about? There is nothing straight about Plum Velvet. <laughs> you shouldn't have been drinking when I said that. <laughs> Monocles are impractical, but hot. I don't for a second believe that she is a straight person. I mean, I'm definitely here for bisexual Minerva McGonagall. Let's talk about (laughs) Harry Potter! Hello, and welcome to The Gaily Prophet, a humorous yet ruthless podcast where two queer IRL witches read Harry Potter and talk about it. I am America's favorite Griffin dandy, Lark Malachi Gray. Uh, and I am Griffin Tiger Shorter Jesse Blount, and we are here with a special guest. Woo! The only Slytherin on the house, man. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, uh, Lark is a Slytherin moon. I am. You, I, you know, I'm not really big into um, like Zodiac and stuff. I'm Hermione in that way. But I think I'm a Gryffindor moon or sun or whatever i mean you can just call it your secondary if that yeah makes more sense for you yeah jockey at at times (laughs) (laughs) um i guess since we're having this conversation let's switch up our order and i'm going to introduce you before jesse introduces our chapter um because with us in our virtual studio today we have frankie smith 
Uh, after many years of watching men comment on the content she held dear, Frankie decided to take things into her own hands. She started by creating a blog with the moniker Fantastic Frankie. With the mission to normalize the female voice and male-dominated community, Frankie created a nerd debate forum on social media by using polarizing statements in speech bubbles. She quickly became known as the fanboy fighter, which <laughs> my heart. Oh my God. Uh, <laughs> Truly. In 2020, Frankie was selected to become an official Facebook creator through their We Are the Culture program. Frankie now spends her time reviewing comics, anime, sci-fi, and fantasy, providing her unique outlook to dissect the content. Frankie, thank you so much for being here. Of course. I'm stoked. I'm so nervous. (laughs) Don't be nervous. I love it here. (laughs) Yeah, we're just uh, awkward, sad nerds. Yeah. I am too. I'm, I am too. I'm just like, I just paint my face a little bit. <laughs> yeah, we were connected or yeah, one of our followers is also one of your followers who like tagged us in a couple of your uh, videos on Instagram. Mm-hmm. And as soon as you and I started chatting in in the Instagram DMs, I was like, wait a second, because I go through and like, whenever I find really good Harry Potter content on TikTok, I save it to put in our stories on Instagram at some point. And I was like, this, this moniker seems really familiar. Let me, let me look at this. And I have like several of your TikToks already (laughs) saved in my phone to post in our stories. So yeah, this is really exciting. Thank you. And you know, I've taken a break off of Harry Potter um but you know the reunion came and it gave me an opening to like talk about it but like of all the things i feel like i'm the most knowledgeable and the most in love with harry potter and i think it's because it came out i was nine and i knew i was a witch i'm latina and west indian so obviously i was a devil child because of it um but I, I remember turning 10 and like if you look at pictures at my 10th birthday party i'm depressed because I didn't get an owl that day. <laughs> and it's just me like super sad. Um, but yeah, I, it, I hold it so dear. And it's just, I'm so glad that like, there are people who still talk about it. Because I would debate JK Rowling herself today about her, especially um, watching the curse. I'm like, I don't know if she remembers what she wrote. Like, I think we need to talk. <laughs> I feel like I'm past debate and would literally sell my soul just to fist fight her because I mm. know, number one, I could take her. Yeah, facts, facts. Yeah, yeah. she does not have hands. Guaranteed. No. No hands there. No. Absolutely. No. And like, and like, not to be that person, but like, I'm from Detroit, so I'm like, oh, mm. I know I could take you. Oh, here's I your... could just walk up to her threatening you and she'd just start crying. As you can hear from my background noise, I am in New York. So yes, I will help you. We can stump her out. <laughs> And some black puffers. I know you got one. (laughs) And some Air Force Ones. Oh, my God. If I had both my ears pierced, I would take my earrings out for it. Yeah. (laughs) You have two two piercings in the one ear, though, right? You could just put a hoop over there. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Right. (laughs) Anyway. Uh, Let's talk about what this chapter is, everyone. Uh, So today we are talking about uh, Chapter 21 of Goblet of Fire, the House Elf Liberation Front. Ron's back in the fold and now updated all the shit with Harry that he's missed. Harry can now finally enjoy a celebration party in his honor. Uh, Unfortunately, the golden egg clue is just indecipherable wailing, which for the record is a very shitty clue. (laughs) Uh, Hermione totally casually asks Fred how to get into the kitchens and the twins make fun of her crusade, which fuck y'all. 
It's now December. The scoots are still alive. Rita is skulking around Hagrid's and divination is fun again now that Harry and Ron can team up and joke about it. Hermione, meanwhile, has her sights set on the kitchen and Harry is reunited with Dobby, now the only paid staff member of the kitchen. Winky is here too, though depressed about the whole thing because she is firmly on the side of her oppressors. Uh, The gang talks to Winky and Dobby and they all leave a little bit lighter, but for entirely different reasons. So we're going to start this newspaper off with today's headlines. The scoundrel is deeply uncertain about where the hell she's taking this house elf analogy, but says that absolutely will not stop her from continuing. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. Uh, We're going to turn to the front page where we talk about everything that doesn't go anywhere else. And Frankie, would you be so kind as to kick us off? You know, okay, so it's funny because you said fuck the twins, but I like the twins. Um, and I like how they display their talent here. Um, so they give Neville this cream pup that turns him into a canary. And that's the most fun thing I've ever heard of in my <laughs> life. <laughs> and it's um, it's funny because I, I used to really hate people like the twins because I was a Hermione. I would work really hard. And there would always be this like class clown that was super popular and wouldn't study for a test and get a B plus, um, even though I spent all night to get my A. And I feel like those are the twins. And mm-hmm. seeing them like just randomly throw a party, the way that they can navigate this like ancient old castle, you know, that's full of magic and ancient magic shows it's it's a great way to reflect how talented the twins are. And honestly, the Weasley, everybody would run, fuck Juan. Uh, <laughs> are so talented i think that's great yeah i i normally i'm actually i really love the twins i just don't let them being shitty to hermione about yeah. the house elf it's like bro really yeah. they're white though. yeah they don't have a great chapter this chapter because they're also really mean to neville when he's like very clearly traumatized which we can talk about right. later but yeah the canary creams are incredible magic mm-hmm. like they're so talented. And it's sure it was temporary, right? He was laugh by the time you finished laughing, he was already a person again, which is so cool. Yeah, and the fact that I don't know why, but the molting turning him back into a person is just like the icing on the cake. Like it just <laughs> yeah. visually really makes the spell top notch. Yes. It is pretty rad. Mm-hmm. I love to um how good the food always sounds. Like, when they talk about I'm like, I'm trying to eat that. <laughs> yeah. But, like, I wonder if, like, elves, like, if you go to elves in, like, South America or something, they got, like, empanadas. Like, I, you know, like, I wonder, I really wish that, you know, we explored other countries and, and see how that food is incorporated. Because, like, English food is the worst cuisine of the world, <laughs> like, historically. <laughs> Uh, I mean, everything everything good about it has just been co-opted from other yeah. places that they colonized. Exactly. So, sorry, sorry, UK listeners. It's the same thing in America. Those yeah, I don't things. think they're offended. Our UK <laughs> listeners are usually very like, yep. Yeah, they know their food. They know, they eat beans in the morning. They know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they know what they got. Uh, um, Jesse, what do you have first here? Uh, I just want to shout out uh, Dean Thomas, who I don't know how much time happened between the first task and Harry getting back to the, the 
common room, but he had enough time to draw multiple banners and charm them to put them up around the room. And the old thing is just like, oh, he's good at drawing. No, this is talent. This is like talent and skill. Like, yeah. are you kidding me? Where it's recognizably Harry and Cedric? Come on. That's but that's talent. That's Im- all I got to say. Imagine your classmate animated something for you real quick. You know, in, in half an hour. Right. It's yeah. like, here are like five different things we've hung around the common room that I drew, that I hand drew for you, Harry. Mm-hmm. And they yeah. were banners. They weren't like pictures. Right. Yeah, I actually like I had this point in education because it just makes me so sad that he doesn't have like an art class that he gets to go to where he gets to expand this talent Mm -hmm. and, you know, probably learn how to make the talking paintings that we see all over the castle. Like, I don't know where people learn that because it's clearly not at Hogwarts. And that feels like a deep disservice to Dean Thomas. I think they do. (laughs) They just don't talk about it because like the core group doesn't have interest in it. You know, like I couldn't see Hermione in the book in book three using her time turner to go to art as an elective. You know what I you mean? You don't think that she would be like the 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 foundation of magical art wouldn't be something that Hermione deeply wanted to know about? Like, how do these portraits have personalities? Yeah, she may she may think that it's not important. You know, like she she may feel like oh. I, I need divination or th- she doesn't like that. She goes there like the minute she could drop it, she could drop it. So if it's not required, I could see her saying no. I mean, it could be that Hermione's more interested in the science of the how the magic about how like I'm sure she knows the spells about how those paintings work, but mm-hmm. like maybe isn't interested in like, I don't know, right. The history of magical art. Mm-hmm. You know? And it may be an advanced class mm-hmm. that you take later, you know? After you take your, which is the first one, newts, right? Or the owls? The owls. After you take the owls, maybe that's like a, because there has to be some way that you can expand on that education to like make the portraits as you, as you stated earlier. Yeah. And we've hypothesized about an arts club previously. I think we, our comic artist actually made like a really cute comic about Sirius and Remus making like velvet magical velvet paintings <laughs> in the 70s when they were there yeah. um i just wish we saw it but anyway uh my first thing here is actually like the very beginning of the chapter because i feel like harry and pigwidgeon are having exactly the same vibe at the beginning <laughs> like harry's letter that he's written to sirius and his excitement to tell ron about everything that ron missed is like exactly the same as pigwidgeon being like i'm gonna deliver a fucking letter just like zooming <laughs> everywhere and it's really cute they're both just like vibrating from excitement yeah exactly <laughs> i love that the letter is so big that he could barely carry it i know and, and he still did it with augusta like i'm gonna get this out pigwidgeon is Maybe my favorite animal. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like he just makes up with his small size with just 110% enthusiasm. Exactly. Which is like, I love it. Mm-hmm. Um, Frankie, did you have anything else in this section? No. Okay. Jesse, what do you have next? Uh, I just want to say that for the first time in four, four books later, Harry is like, you know what? Maybe Hagrid has something about the dragons. And it's like vindication for the dragon <laughs> for loving dragons. And I'm like, it only took you four years, Harry, to realize that dragons are fucking cool. <laughs> <sighs> 
So I'm just very excited about that. So. If only he would say that to her, you know. I know. Uh, <laughs> it would be just, so special. Just, and then, okay, I had a sub thought, which is, I want just someone, I want Harry to, like, be like, hey, Grid, I have a movie you need to watch. It is called Jurassic Park. <laughs> oh. <laughs> what would they watch it on? This is the real question. There's no way that she has a TV in her little cottage. That's good. That's actually yeah. an excellent question. I wonder if anyone has charmed up like one of those like uh, projector, like those old school film projector with the with the actual reels of film. I'm just moving my hand and adjust. <laughs> I, like, I know that it, with magic... I understand them kind of being a little retro, but there's no way none of the Half-Bloods or Muggleborns came in. It was like, y'all need to get a TV. This is hot. Right? This is heat. You know, like, <laughs> something. I have a, like, unending frustration with I'm like, I know that there is some kid who is, like, smuggling crap in, being like, I'm going to make this boombox work. Yeah. <laughs> they probably charmed the school. My CDs. Like, services there is probably terrible, but I'm definitely bringing, at minimum, a CD player. It's 1990. I, you know, I can't... They couldn't listen to Green Day? <laughs> so if they were able to charm a record player, which I think has, like, less fiddly electronical bits than, like, a CD right. player, it could mm. probably work. Yeah. And then you gotta know. you gotta create you gotta create all your records to fucking hop. Like they're still <laughs> using owls for what reason? No one like I wonder if twenty twenty they're texting. They're like, hey, this this thing we do have to adapt from the Muggles. They definitely got it down, you know. Mm-hmm. Hermione's still trying to convince everyone to miniature just use a fucking back pad. And right. <laughs> you don't have to refill them. Her first move as minister is to ban quills from the premises. I, know, I would. I would. <laughs> like how many gallons of ink a day they must go through. That's, I mean, like, that's a budget cut, I can believe. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <sighs> okay. So I just want to say that Dobby's new outfit is very, like, queer rave. Like, I just think that this is queer culture. <laughs> I had that exact same thing. At first I was like, Dobby's outfit is like a meme of like a non-binary person. And then I was like, Dobby's outfit is actually a baby gay at Pride. Yes, <laughs> and totally. so I went to... Wait, okay, I have it pulled up. Because I'm like, for people who haven't read the chapter who aren't like reading along with us, I have to just read you Dobby's outfit. <laughs> because it is, I think it is just, it's so much. It's just so much. <laughs> while you look it up i feel like anytime someone experiences freedom where they can express themselves without parameters that's the route they're going to and that's what i love about it to your point like if i'm going to my very first pride or like i remember Django. um the first time Django gets to pick out his outfit it's ridiculous and i i think that's an excellent callback for them mm-hmm. oh okay <clears throat> He was wearing a tea cozy for a hat on which he had pinned a number of bright badges, a tie patterned with horseshoes over a bare chest, a pair of what looked like children's soccer shorts and odd socks. Uh, one of them was a black sock, which Harry, which, you know, is when that had freed him. The other was covered in pink and orange stripes. I feel like I've definitely seen someone at Pride World. <laughs> Absolutely. Exact, exact outfit. Yeah, the badges especially, I think, make it. yeah. The, like, multiple enamel pins. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yep. Uh, speaking of iconic outfits, I just want to... Rita Skeeter shows up 
caramagical creatures in a magenta cloak edged in purple fur. Yes. Mm-hmm. Like, what an icon. What a fashion icon, if nothing else. I love it. I love it. <laughs> I know. I always pictured her looking like um, Rita Moreno. You know what I mean? Like just, but like 1950s or, or I, I don't know. But I, I always loved the way she was described, even though they tried to make her seem unfavorable. But she's the flies, which I think out there right now. Yeah. Like up until this point, we have never seen anyone dress so impeccably amazing. Yes. Um, yeah. Madame Rosemarita. Uh, Madame Roberta, you're right. She is working in her in her sparkly heels. Yes, <laughs> she is that person at the bar who's like, "You look so fly," but also, "How are you doing this on your feet for like eight hours?" Yeah, I don't. Totally. What magic is this? But I do feel like they shop at the same places, you know. Mm-hmm. Okay, um, I just I'm gonna have one last thing here, which is that we just to note we get this little misdirect about Ludo Bagman that we're gonna follow for a little while so mm-hmm. that's shown up he's a bad wizard quote unquote which just means he's a himbo <laughs> <laughs> which he totally he totally is all right jesse do you have anything else uh, i have two more things so i'm gonna keep them quick uh number one trelawney is in this chapter like i was doing some needlework and then a, and then you know a vision came to me to go to my crystal ball and i'm like she totally embroiders slash beads her scarves and shawls like those elaborate beaded (laughs) dragonfly shimmery things that she's wearing she's up in her tower not talking to no one doing that every evening Mm -hmm. and i i I appreciate uh a crafty introvert (laughs) like what a mood (laughs) totally well she listens to like radio dramas too probably Yes, just like exactly told. how I've been spending my time since the pandemic <laughs> is just like sewing or drawing and listening to podcasts. Yeah. Uh, and then my last thing is that, so we finally get an idea of like what the Hufflepuff, like what going down to the Hufflepuff common room must be like. And it's like well lit and it's just like full of pictures of food, which sounds awesome. Which means that the Slytherins continue to be intentionally extra by having mm-hmm. their, like, the dungeons, their part of the dungeons just, like, fucking goth as shit. And the Hufflepuffs are basically hobbits. And it's just, like... I love that. <laughs> I mean, it's incredible. I just love the fact that it's, like, we could make the, like, the, this underground passage is cheery and cool. But we're not, that's not our vibe. Right. No. Matrix. I was actually thinking about this today because um, I was like, okay, sorry, Frankie, I know you already said you're not into like astrology, but I'm going to talk about it again. <laughs> it's okay. Because we see where the Hufflepuff common rooms is uh, are and where we've talked before about how Hufflepuff is clearly Taurus. And I was like, what are the other houses and I was like okay we know that Ravenclaw's air went through my options of air signs and was like it's obviously Aquarius and we know that without a doubt Gryffindor is Leo because like that's exactly what JK Rowling wrote it to be she herself is a Leo and then I realized that Slytherin is Scorpio and I looked and those are the four fixed signs like those are the four the most of each type and it's so clear like when you think about Slytherin as being the Scorpio house like that makes so much sense that they're so dramatically over the top about how like spooky and you know 
fancy they are because that is scorpio aesthetic wait is that in their life that's a water sign yeah they're the water house yeah mm. which is like i think uh and like i feel like you can also just break each of the houses down into like an element of like fire and earth right. and air and water exactly anyway i appreciate the aesthetic even if <laughs> a lot of other questionable things happening in canon but definitely right but obviously when we speak about Slytherin, we're trying to talk about IRL Slytherins and not book Slytherins. Um, okay, so neither of you have anything in the education section? All right. I guess because this would be the only thing in the education section, I'm just going to do this here in the front page because we have a Trelawney prediction watch. Her prediction is that death is circling the castle. Mm-hmm. This is obviously a correct prediction, but as Harry points out, it is one that she makes many many times per book often it is not accurate so i think that this is a coincidence and not her actually predicting something i don't know someone dies every book so she like she it is correct. no one died last book no three you're right no one died last book actually someone we found out was alive but um yeah but every other time i think she's been right she's been correct i think she's one of those people that's like She's good at what she does, but it's shadowed by how much like stuff that she doesn't know. So it's just by luck that she she comes across doing something well, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, we've been keeping really close tabs on her predictions and they don't usually pan out. Mm-hmm. I guess the question with this is, is she just insinuating that it's Harry's death to be dramatic mm-hmm. and therefore she's not correct because he's not going to die? Because it's usually Harry. She's usually like, you're going to, people born at the end of July are going to die by fire next week, you know? And it's like, he didn't, he didn't stop doing this. This is bullying. But maybe it's because she, she struck gold once and she was like, since then, she's like, if I, if I keep it on Harry, then one of these going to be right. It's true. I mean, and also considering how dangerous the witching world is, if you're just like, someone's going to die. Odds are you're going to be right at some point That's because very true. there's like zero <laughs> safety standards and no one cares about the welfare of children here. So That's like, so I was just talking about how high stakes it is to be a wizard. Like every interaction, if it goes negatively, can go into you dying or being seriously injured. Now there's magic to help those injuries, but like, you know, everyone has a wand, which is essentially a gun. You know, it's like if you guys have ever watched Cobra Kai, everybody, it's an excellent show. Um, Everyone learns karate, all of the teenagers. So every time they get in an altercation, it becomes this big out brawl, right? Because they all know karate and it feels that way. Like, you know, if if you and I had a disagreement, I pull on my wand, now now we shooting, you know what I mean? And Mm -hmm. I, I just feel like that, what does that mean for how you value life? Um, and your fear of death, you know, because most people wouldn't dare actually do the curse that leads to death. Um, so from what I've seen, a lot of the deaths, barring what's around the dark magic, happens coincidentally, you know? Yeah, just because no one's trying Being to protect silly. anyone. <laughs> yeah, moving like Hagrid. Like, I don't know how she... <laughs> I mean, magic doesn't really work on her as much, right? Because she has giant's blood so maybe that's some of it but she moves real crazy (laughs) like i get nervous every time (laughs) she's doing something yeah 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 i mean it's just yeah and it's like wild even that 
everyone has this very cavalier of everyone's safety when it's like yeah clearly it's like all right so you have a very small population and for whatever reason some kind of slow low birth rate even though everyone just pairs up after they graduate school which if you live to be 150 it's like you're still basically a child (laughs) considering your lifespan and it's just like what is going on in this world so i had um i had a huge theory about why the birth rates are down and i was saying this is on some heavy stuff so we could talk about that later but um i was talking about like people of color and and how we kind of us being oppressed is why the birth rates of like why there are more squibs and things like that. So, I mean, we can talk about it in another section, but I agree with you totally. All right, I'm making a note just so we don't forget. So I was just like just talking to someone about this this in the in our Discord channel. And I'm just like, what the fuck is happening? All right, we're going to talk about it when we get to yes. politics. Yes. But first. Welcome to the arts and culture section, where today we're going to be talking about the cursed child. Yay! <laughs> um, I'm so excited. So I read The Cursed Child, like, I don't know, three years ago, and I hated it. Just the way they were all, um, just the way that the characters were moving. I know J.K. Rowling didn't write it herself, but she gave the okay and she co-signed it. Like, this is true to characters. And it reads so much like fan fiction that it's ridiculous. Mm-hmm. But like not good fan, fiction. not no, good fan. Because I've heard some good stuff. I can name stuff. you five fic right now that is better than the written sort than the can than, than HP canon right. I, now. I don't know if they're her nephew or what happened, but like <laughs> whoever wrote this gotta have connections because this it's some of the worst. And you're right, I've read some really good fan fiction, um, and but this is not it. But the show is incredible. Where I wasn't even listening to the script. Um, because the special effects and the magic that they use throughout the show is incredible. The Dementors, which are to me, to this day, the scariest thing I've ever seen or read. It's equally as scary and they're flying throughout the theater and it's incredible. But I I couldn't help watching it and thinking, I know how homophobic um, JK Rowling is and I don't know how she gave the green light on this show. Um, because it's, it's so beautifully clear and it's not even like you have to kind of like, it's not even an allegory. They're so clearly in love. There's about three, the tension on stage, the choices that the actors took, there are like three times I'm like, oh, they're going to kiss now. And they would just like do a big hug. And I'm like, okay, next one, they're going to kiss. Next one comes, they don't kiss. And just the whole time, I was like, did J.K. Rowling actually read this before she signed it? Because, like, this is not what she's about. Um, but just watching it play out on stage made me almost like the book. And then I had to, like, really listen to what they were talking about. I was like, this is ridiculous, the way all the characters are acting and things like that. But all in all, I liked it. I enjoyed it, for sure. It is miraculous how much good acting and uh, special effects can affect your impressions of something. Because, yeah, I mean, I saw it in 2016 for my 30th birthday. And I hadn't read it previous to it, but I knew that people were like, this story doesn't make any sense. But I was like, I want to go in with like fresh eyes, whatever. And it was definitely like my partner and I left and we were like, that was incredible and that story was 
so silly. Like, <laughs> garbage. <laughs> any sense, but it was definitely, like, maybe the best theater performance I've seen in my life, which, granted, is not a lot because most of the theater I've seen is, like, high school productions. <laughs> but, yeah, it's mind-blowing. The special effects are incredible. And, like... I did like to... The one thing about the script that I loved is that we get, like, a redemption story for Draco. Um, spoilers mm. if you guys haven't read it. Yet another pair where you're like, you're definitely about to kiss, and yet they somehow don't. Yeah. <laughs> Those fight scenes should have ended with them in bed. With, I, I mean, although I think, you know, because obviously Draco has been raised to be a racist. Um, I love the thought, especially the way he talks to Hermione in the books. Um, the thought of him being a racist, but liking that chocolate. So just to see how like <laughs> he interacts with her on stage, uh, he says there's a line. He's like, "I just got told off by Hermione. I kind of liked it." And then Ron like goes jumps to fight him, and then they have to they pull him back and they have to do their business. I'm like, I know that's how Draco moves. We're like, he's like, my dad told me not to talk to these blacks and these um, Muggleborns. Dang that that Hermione tasty and she both. Um, so just <laughs> I mean I, I do think that in general you could definitely Draco has a definite vibe of like you believe all this racist stuff but you have never for a second actually thought about what you as a person think about it. Exactly. You're just like, well I love my dad and he's super great and he says all this shit and my mom does too so clearly they're right because they're awesome and it's just like if you took maybe eight point seconds to like think about it you'd be like wait a minute <laughs> right and i think they they hint a little bit in the book in the play as well that like he doesn't even believe that stuff and in the book in book seven we see that a lot but like it's life or death like i have to follow and believe what my dad and his homeboys believe in or i'll be killed i'll be tortured you know i'll i'll lose everything that i so just the pressure of that and we see that a lot with Draco, how tortured he is in, in the sixth book and the seventh book, because he's like, I, I've never gotten a chance to make a decision of what my beliefs are. Um, I just had to become a death eater because that's what my dad believes. And if we don't, I'm going to get killed by him, you know? Yeah. And he definitely was like, I actually don't want to be a death eater. Sorry, everyone. But he can't be like that because it's like, well, if you don't want to be a death eater, you're going to be murdered and fed to a giant snake. Exactly. So it's like, those are your options. Exactly. Dude. Or murdered by that giant snake. Yeah. <laughs> and then exactly. eaten by her. Yeah. 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 <laughs> All right. Um, do you have anything else that you want to say about the play? Mm, um, yeah. I'm, I know. And I got so much pushback, but I'm so, it was so refreshing to see a black Hermione Hell yeah. You know, everyone's like, oh, JK Rowling retcon. I was like, I don't care what that hobo believes and why she, you know, if she was a coward and, and decided not to do this. But I feel like the story, even if she wasn't sophisticated enough to understand it, depicts Hermione as a Black woman. And even in this chapter, like, you know, Hermione pushing for SPEW, it makes sense because yeah, the the twins are not going to understand her point they're, because they're they're not black and they're not in the real world either. So they don't understand systematic oppression. I'm I'm sure they I'm sorry, there is definitely systematic oppression and racism in the wizarding world, but not on skin color. You know what I mean? So well, 
it actually is a little bit on skin color, but that yeah. doesn't happen until like book next book, I think. Yes, and we get like a whiff of that. Yeah, yeah. like, like a, it's it's not as overt, right? As yeah. probably Hermione has seen. Actually, no. Let me not say that because they was talking about Angelina Lopez. Yeah, yeah. That's when that happens. You're just like, oh, there is actual, there's actual racism yeah. and blood racism. Cool. There's a cool, little cool, bit cool, of cool, both, cool, cool. right? Cool, cool. Yeah. But I think, I think just to see that it it makes everything else understand you understand her more and the fact that she's such a go-getter she's so pragmatic um and she works so hard fits you know her character so just to see her out there like that i'm like everything she's doing is what a black woman would do in this situation um so it just made perfect sense and it was really refreshing to see it yeah hermione has big working twice as hard to get half as far energy Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. like and her like parents are like middle class dentists and it's just like mm-hmm. you came to hogwarts already on that so like right. i know that before hogwarts you were already on that exactly you know yeah welcome to the politics section where we talk about things that are fucked up so let's circle back to the low birth rates conversation before mm-hmm. we get into this chapter specifically uh so yeah as we know, way back when wizards weren't as secluded as they are now. So I we were talking about, you know, colorism and racism. I was saying that, yeah, maybe a couple of wizards got part of this transatlantic slave trade. Um, Harry Potter and that crew um, are part of the caste system. And we know that squibs, a lot of squibs occur because of um, like trauma at an early age and things like that. So my thing was that the generational trauma or just experiencing being in the slave trade or becoming a slave in any way caused you to produce squibs. Mm. And that's why I think that most muggle-borns are people of color or, or, you know, in some sort of way because they're descendants of squibs who have to now interact with um, the human world. So as they're moving to become pure bloods and you know, do that, obviously that's gonna be more of the white presenting wizards because they didn't get they didn't get picked up maybe in the early wizards days, you know. And now that they're starting to kind of flesh out, now that there are more muggle-borns who are coming out, Dean Tanis. Hermione, they're all people of color. Even Lily, who um, also in the play is a woman of color, um, you know, she's muggle-born. So if if she's muggle-born and she's a woman of color, that means most of the characters that we see that are muggle-born are people of color. So that's just like us coming back and reclaiming our power. It's a stretch. (laughs) No, I'm I'm like, I'm taking it all in. That's actually... I mean, really cool. Yeah. Think about. Imagine, and I really think you know they always talk about redoing the Harry Potter series and like making it into a series instead of movies and and things like that. And I love Harry Potter, but like the world that they built is so robust, and we barely touched it. And there's so much more. More I think they could explore that would be so much more interesting. Like 
you know like what's going on in africa what those what are those wizards like what what is it you know santeria and like the the latino you know i just want to see how it is even like we get a taste of it in fantastic beasts and where to find them the issue is they they work so hard to make a new you know like cis white boy narrative that they're not even focusing on everything else there's another school there that we haven't seen the Makuza is the coolest name I've ever heard for a government body. <laughs> and it's just stuff like that that they're not even fleshing out. And I just think there's an opportunity there that we always lose out on. Yeah, I mean, I think that's why, like, the value of fandom, right? Because, I mean, obviously, our goal, like, the Gaily Prophet's goal and, like, the fandom area of fandom that we're sort of leaders in is like get wb to drop jk rowling get all of her publishers to drop jk rowling so like no more official harry potter content coming out Mm -hmm. but like so much more fan content Mm -hmm. coming out and like getting people to lean into questions like that and be like how do we how do we envision this what would it look like because obviously one anything she's involved with she'll fuck up mm-hmm. um and to like no more money for her but i think the call for like those questions that you're asking being explored like that's what i don't know that's what we need to be like okay as a fandom let's answer these questions and like let's let's do this in like a big meaningful way because yeah. that would be so rad <laughs> I mean, what I what I would love to see is for everyone, all for so many of us, just to be like, you know, what I'm gonna do. I'm just going to create a world that is original enough, but is very clearly inspired by Harry Potter, and like fix all the shit that is like really terrible about it, um, and just be like, yeah, right, and then like incorporate. What would it be like to have a like? american like witching school that wasn't written by someone who knows nothing about american history and like doesn't want to approach the like really fucked up racial and class dynamics of american history and it's like i want to see someone being like i'm gonna do that and i'm just gonna like steal a bunch of things from harry potter and put it in this book and make it an eight book series and it's like i would read that yeah i mean yeah um shall we get into this chapter yeah cool okay so let's start with Anything that's not spew related? Um, <clears throat> so I did want to talk about Neville. Yes. Um, and his suggestion, which is, you know, a call out to what we're going to see, you know, what happened to his parents. Um, but immediately when Harry opens the egg for the second clue, Neville says, oh, it's the Crucius curse. They're going <laughs> to they're going to torture you. Um, and, and like you say, the twins write it off. Because it sounds ridiculous, but that's, it made me so sad because Mm -hmm. I'm like to Neville, that's probably all he thinks about. And that's probably his like, he's probably fascinated by it, but also his biggest fear at the same time. Yeah, I have in my notes that like Neville is like triggered by this fucking egg. And this Mm -hmm. is also why I'm like, this is such a shitty clue. Mm -hmm. Like if I open this up and it's just like a hundred decibel fucking wailing, I'm like, what the fuck? Like, really? This yeah. is this is the clue you're gonna give me. Yeah, it's so terrible. And then the fact that he says that out loud, like it's someone being tortured, and George's like, "Fuck off, Neville! Like, <laughs> you're being so silly." You're like, George, no. Like you're usually the nice one too. Like I don't know why I got extra offended that it was George that said that instead of Fred, because mm-hmm. usually Fred is the rude one. Right. <laughs> so I was like, God damn it, this sucks. I think they were like. 
trying to preserve the vibes and was being rude because of it. They're like, Neville, do not bring that in here. <laughs> you know, <laughs> like we're, we try to, we try to party right now. But yeah, I, I was really disappointed. Yeah. But they also don't know, you know, not, not that it excuses it, the behavior. Um, but I like to think that they would have more tact if they did know, like, Hey, you know, this is something that triggers him to them. They're like, he's just being, you know, different or he's, he's pulling something out of the air instead of like being constructive and he's bringing down the energy. Mm-hmm. I know poor Neville, always the butt of jokes. No, yeah. I know. I'm so glad he got fine. Cause that's yeah. getting into <laughs> I mean, there's there's a lot a lot wrong with the movies, but they really struck gold when they when they when they cast that little kid because seeing him when he's eleven and then seeing him at the end of the movies, you're just like, I would have never guessed you would have gotten so attractive. I mean, yeah. like, and he was cast perfectly. Like he looked like a young Neville Long. It wasn't them CWing him up or anything. I was like, yeah, no. this is it. And then he grew. I was like, oh, <laughs> all right. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, I think. Besides the dude who played Dean Thomas, I think that he's like the the second best attractive actor to come out of yeah, like those movies. I don't know, man. Robert, I, I got a thing for Robert. I like a little emo. I like a good little <laughs> emo boy. I'm not gonna hold you. <laughs> I'm not gonna hold you. He looks great. Um. All right. I have. I have a thing that I would normally actually be in health and science, but I just want to talk about the moniker of liberation front as a political thing mm, okay because uh, i had to look it up okay so like obviously a lot of organizations have either used national liberation front or blank liberation front as a name and doing a little bit of research uh it's the original national liberation front was actually an anti-french colonial movement in algeria to try to like not have be ruled by fucking France. And obviously since then, not only a lot of like other anti-colonial movements in other countries have used National Liberation Front as a name, um, but a lot of like leftist groups have also done the same thing. So like in the United States, people may be heard of like, there is a like gay liberation front like that formed like right after Stonewall. And there was a like earth liberation front, which was more of a like guerrilla style political action, you know, for environmental issues. So I just wanted to throw that out there as some, like, a little bit of knowledge about why House Elf Liberation Front as a name. So. Mm. Which I'm sure Hermione had read up on because right. it's fucking Hermione. But since, since you brought up the elves again, I did want to say, um, I felt like when I was reading the conversation between Hermione and the elves, I had this thought in my notes. It says, Dumbledore be doing things just to be quirky and fit his aesthetic. <laughs> this is actually what's written in my notes. So like, <laughs> I, I I feel like he's like, yeah, I'll get, I'll pay these two little L's. But like, he's trying to make it seem like he's fair and he cares. And that's why he hired this like elf and, and gave him this little bit of money. But in reality, he could have hired all of them. Mm-hmm. And he never, he never sat down with them. He never talked to them about it. And I was like, he just do things just so he can continue to be quirky, different, cool. And if you guys, when you guys see to my page, you'll see that I'm not a Dumbledore fan. Oh, we are, we are also not Dumbledore yeah, fans. I'm not no, a, he's abusive. Um, 
And I think he's just an excellent, and he was racist, right? Let's not forget he was he was rolling with a wizard Nazi for, mm-hmm. you know, and and loving up on him. Uh, mm-hmm. But you know, it, I was just reading it annoyed. I was like, he, they're like, oh, look how great Dumbledore is. He gave you know basically ten dollars a month to Dobby, and I'm like, yeah, but like he has probably it sounds like fifty to a hundred slaves in his in his garage, in his kitchen, and he's not even talking to them. They obviously revere him. And if he just had a real good sip, at least half of them would be like, yeah, I'll take a sock, you know? And maybe the other half won't. But um, I I, I just read that and I was like, man, (laughs) I was not amused and it did not endear Dumbledore to me. Yeah, I mean, I think part of it is that the whole metaphor of, the elves and slavery and the way it plays out in the book Mm -hmm. is like really beyond the like comprehension of scoundrel jkr's ability Mm -hmm. to like think and write Mm -hmm. because like there's even a bit where dobby's like oh dumbledore wanted to give me more but i was like i wasn't about that and it's like you know and it's like as if he didn't want too much freedom and like money and it's like that is spoken right out of a white woman who's a mouthpiece of the British Empire's heteropatriarchy. Slaves Are you shitting love to me. Be slaves. Right. It's like, oh, I love yeah. to work. I don't want that much money and that much time off because I love working. And I'm like, what in the capitalist bullshit is this? <laughs> and we treat and we treat our slaves so nice. <laughs> They're right. warm. They get jobs. Nobody else would hire them. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I was reading yeah. that and I was like, this white woman. <laughs> it was not. Yeah. It was not good. Yeah, it's just, it's so fucked. And, like, considering this is, like, the part where we even see, we're four books in and we're seeing all of these slaves who are doing all this unseen labor for all of the meal that all the kids get. And, like, no one basically knows about it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's such a heavy allegory that I I know that JK is not that sophisticated. But just to think about how talented Black people are. And how much we built America and how much is taken from us without it. You know, like without us, so much of our culture is gone. And then you see these elves who has stronger magic than wizards being the slaves. I'm like, that's the same thing. It's it's chattel slavery. Winky is like, my mother and my grandmother were all slaves. And I'm like, I'm sorry, what? Yes. Yes. So y'all just y'all just like breeding elves and kept like, what the fuck? And cool with it. I mean, and cool. And the fact that it's such a big staple of the wizarding community, which is Hogwarts, um, has slaves. So many of them. Why would anyone else feel like they need to free theirs? And all the slaves, quote unquote, like it. And That's they the love worst part. it. They that love the it. And they look down on the one free slave, right? They're, they're treating, yeah. they don't even want to be, they start to shrink when um, he's talking about like how much he enjoys being free. And they're like, look at him like, oh, yuck, this free guy, yuck, you know? And yeah, it's gross, it's gross. And like all of them, it's not even like, oh, it's a mixed group of them Mm -hmm. or it's like, cause it it would make sense to have a couple of them be like, oh, I drink the Kool-Aid, I'm on the side of my oppressors. Cause that's just like, that happens in real life with marginalized groups all the time. But just for all of them, except for Dobby, to be like, oh, who is this fucking queer ass weirdo being like, y'all should get paid in like a month and like a day off a month. And it's just like, it's weird. It's what a- what in the white person interpretation of chattel slavery is this? Like, yeah. I just, I just, I just feel like you just shouldn't write an analogy if you don't know what you're doing. <laughs> like, no, it just every time I read this, I it's like you, you lost this like 
the second you brought it back around after freeing Dobby. Mm-hmm. Like, and Jesse and I have spent a lot of time exploring, like, what would it have looked like for this to work well? Like, basically, if we see this scene, but, like, the end result of Hermione and SPEW is that she unearths, like, a spell, like a centuries-old spell that wizards have been doing to basically brainwash the house elves that after so long it's maybe starting to weaken. That's how we get elves like Dobby. And, like, you break that spell and they're like, oh, fuck this. And, like, there's a revolution. Mm -hmm. That would be great. Like, tell us why. If you're gonna have it be like all of them are like, oh, Dobby, why do you want to be free? Then you need to give us an explanation and something needs to be done about it. But we end book seven and it's just like... And I would have loved to see the elves roll up in the Battle of Hogwarts. Like They do. Yeah, yeah no, but not as slaves. Like they roll up because they right, want exactly. to. Because then that's also triggering to us because we know our history as slaves, right? Being promised freedom to fight in a war that's not ours. Fighting in every goddamn American war. Yeah. For no- for, for shit, basically. We're, we fight in a war for American, like Hamilton, they're all like, yeah, freedom for everyone, but not y'all, but thanks. Yeah, it's like, oh, you want freedom? Oh, you want the GI Bill and to like live in a nice set place in the World War II? Pfft, fuck y'all. Yeah. You want to go to Vietnam? Pfft, fuck you in wanting healthcare and housing yeah. and like therapy for your traumatic PTSD <laughs> and all the shit we sprayed on you. Like, yeah, yeah. And it's just- I agree. <laughs> Yeah, like, in the hands of someone, a better person and a better writer, this could have gone somewhere. But in the hands of someone who just, like, doesn't question the, like, white head of a patriarchy of the British Empire, it's like, you should never have gone here. And it should never have gotten this far. And... Because I would have also liked... So most of the elves worked for, I guess, who we would consider the bad people, right? Because most of them are pure blood and most of them inherit them. I would have loved to see that, right? They're all free and they're picking sides and people are like, you gotta watch out for them elves. They got real magic. You know, I, I just think that would that would have been just yeah. a great way, as you said, in book six, we spent way too much time in book five and six with inks that they could have definitely painted in Hermione breaking that code and like, you know, her being like, I'm gonna lift this spell and just the fallout from that. And then them rolled up in book seven as free as free men just being like yo we gonna help you know this side we're gonna help that side and it being a whole thing because they did bring out like giants and stuff like that um yeah yeah and we and we get this whole element of just like terrible rich people doing whatever to the elves we read this with crouch and with the malfoys Mm -hmm. and like unfortunately even with sirius but it's like sirius is also a product of this like rich pure blood background so like which is as much as a thing that he's like unlearning a lot of, it's kind of like in his depression, he sort of falls back, I think, on a lot of that. Yeah, and I think Creature to him is acting as a stand-in for like everything that he hated about how he grew up and who his family was too. And he's really inappropriately like redirecting those feelings onto. Yeah. I mean, like him and Creature both have a lot of trauma about this and they're, and it's just, it's clashing in a way that's like not great, especially given the power dynamics between Sirius, an adult, a giant, a grown ass wizard, and mm-hmm. creature, an enslaved house elf to yep. his family. Yep. So, and sorry, Harry doesn't even fucking free him. That is the worst part of book seven. I'm like, Harry, you motherfucker. You 
piece of garbage, uh, Harry Potter. He's not a good person, man. And, you know, I... Do- I- Dobby saves your fucking ass um, with his own life. And you don't even fucking free creature at the end of this fucking book. You know, I, I listen to, you know, your theories on Harry being Indian. And I agree, right? But sometimes he moves like a white man. It's this white man. Because I just see him riding off the, the coattails of, like, better wizards and just how selfish he is and how he ignores people and things like that. I'm like, <sighs> I mean, I, I mean, I think an argument can be made about Harry sort of uh, assimilating mm. into the sort of witching idea of the world and the ways in which assimilating into the dominant culture is sort of like... Yeah. Sometimes you leave empathy behind because you're like, well, if I assimilate, I can get gain power and become accepted. And it's like, yeah. or you could not do that. <laughs> you could, and, and he knows, he knows how it feels to be a prisoner. Like his first 10 years, that's a long, that's a foundation of you, of your life. And I feel like by book five, he feeling himself, he's smelling himself. He's like, you, because people, the minute he joins the wizarding world, he knows like, I am the shit. Everybody, everybody want to be me. Everybody want to be around me, even when they're teasing me. And I think also that's where his angst stems from in book five. He like, I'm fucking Triwizard King and y'all not even listen. Why would I lie about Voldemort be back? Um, and it's just, I could see, I, I totally agree with you, Jesse. I think it's more assimilation than anything else, but it, it gets me annoyed because he knows what it's like, you know? So for him to not have that empathy is mean and and you know yeah. i don't like it <laughs> it also yeah. speaks to what you were saying earlier about dumbledore too because dumbledore immediately he's like so creature is yours and also he knows everything about the order of the phoenix so please keep that in mind when making your decision mm-hmm. and like harry's a kid so we don't even get to know like what thought process he went through with that and like who knows what he would have done without dumbledore being there but Dumbledore pretty much was like, you absolutely must keep this elf enslaved, which is, yeah, you know, very much in line with you being like, what, how he interacted with this Dobby situation versus the all of the enslaved elves that were already in the castle. Even when he freed Dobby, was it on some? He did it to like spite the Malfoys, right? Like, oh, Dobby helped me a little bit, but like, this is really gonna get to them. You know what I mean? He didn't free him on some side, on some sly stuff, right? Lucius pressed him. And after he pressed him, true. he was like, oh, well, I got something for you here, sock. You know what I mean? But he didn't go to Dobby on on the low and was like, let me free this man. He did it after after he was, you know, sparked to do it. So mm-hmm. I don't know. I, I never really, dang, I gotta make a video about that too. I never gave him progress for freeing Dobby at all, you know? And then, yeah, and this is just, like, a a larger issue about how this whole thing is just, like, poorly handled in the Mm -hmm. series. Where it's, like, you have your your just hero who overall makes the correct decisions and is kind. But, like, this is the thing that he's, like, meh, I'm gonna free this elf for spite, you know? Right. And it's just, like, Mm -hmm. are you sure about this, actually? (laughs) What implications This is what you want your hero to be like? I'm sure. And he didn't give him, he didn't set up Dobby after, right? This is the first time he's seen Dobby in a while. So like- Yeah, Dobby said he's been trying for two years to find work. And he's like, finally a week ago, Dumbledore's like, yeah, okay, that's fine. I'll come, I'll hire you. He couldn't hit up the Weasleys. Molly need help. Like no one was about to like hire him. 
So I, I don't know. He is a network. I do think Dobby's been partying. Though. No, you think he's what? <laughs> he's unemployed. He's yeah. young. He is free. I'm like, I I mean, where did he get those badges? Oh, he having a great time. Right. He's in where, Egypt where, with Charlie. Where are all these? Where are these other houses coming from? Is all I'm saying. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, wow. Do we want to talk about just? I guess we t- mentioned Winky a little bit. Just being like. Having drank that Kool-Aid. So I have a note about Winky. I said, J.K. Rowling read that one quote by Harriet Tubman that says, I would have freed a hundred more slaves if they knew they were slaves. And I felt like she took that and ran with it and was like, this was all slaves. Oh <laughs> this is all slaves. So every everyone wanted to be enslaved except for like three people and Harriet Tubman. So, yeah, you know. Yeah, that, that's how she interpreted it. She's like, oh, this is going to be nuanced and black people are going to, you know, apply. I think she wrote it and she was like, I'm going to get propers for this, you know. But yeah, yeah. I, I really hate this. That it's not even addressed as Stockholm, right? It's like nature, right? They're not like, oh, well, Hermione, obviously the queen that she is, calls it for what it is that she's been abused into. But like, everyone else is like, nah, this is what she wants. Let her. They eating her slave cookies, enjoying right. it, and it's like, right? Ron is like, oh, she must have loved her master. And I'm like, I'm sorry, what? Mm-hmm. She did what? <laughs> what now? What now? I do like that she she's going to Blair Waldorf like the the super preppy aesthetic. <laughs> I feel her. I feel like it, it would like, be I'm... either or, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I don't. Actually, I don't have anything else <laughs> in this section. In this section, it was just a giant rant about the house elves. Okay, I have a couple things about Ron Weasley. Mm. All right. I love Ron. <laughs> he just got back into our lives after being gone for several wonderful chapters um the one of the first things that we see him say to hermione is like oh you're a right little ray of sunshine for making a very good point that harry is still definitely in danger and like not only is he like uh you're like being a downer but then he's like you should team up with your least favorite teacher who you think very poorly of basically being like hermione you're like as bad as trelawney right now which is really rude and i hate it um and then we also get about hermione when he's like lol we didn't get homework i hope she got lots of homework i love not working when she's working as if she doesn't do most of his homework for her hermione was just being the realist being like okay but you're still in danger eye on the prize keeping harry fucking alive to the end of this goddamn year but why would why would ron even put in his head that the next thing would be easier why would the task get easier like this it's foolish it doesn't make any sense yeah, I, I have to have it on wax always, but Ron Weasley is the least talented Weasley, right? <laughs> Obviously, yeah. of all of them. And like people are like, what about Percy? Percy is way worse. I was like, yo, Percy was just trying to stop being poor. And once he once he realized what was up, you know, he, he changed his ways. But Ron is consistently abusive, rude, entitled. And even his beef with Harry was stemming from entitlement. You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? And, you know, I I hated the beef and I hated how Harry took him back and how Harry is 
I was reading like, oh, class is so much better now that Ron is here. I was like, man, that boy at Stockholm, if I've ever seen it, he <laughs> loves this this man who is abusive towards him. And every time I, I was like, but we Ron is the worst. And he's there because he played chess with them once. You know, and it was like, we got to keep him in a group. But ever since then, I've never seen him actively contribute to the group. And I'm so glad that Hermione's going to get on that uh, crumb booty in a couple of <laughs> I mean, Ron is often just so, just so mean. And he's like, it's like between him, between him being mean and the twins being fucking mean this chapter, I'm like... Someone teach these kids some more empathy. Like, please. Like, literally anyone. Literally, mm-hmm. can we get someone? Something gotta be going home at that. I, like, do the Weasleys have a gambling problem? Or is that something gotta be going on that's tearing <laughs> up their moral compass? I, I always thought it was, just didn't make sense to me how they didn't have so much. They, they never had money. And it just didn't make sense. They have magic. Their older sons are working and making money as well. And their children are suffering like they don't have magic the only thing they can't make is food you know mm-hmm. so I, I mean yeah not, nothing about any how any of the money or the class works in this <sighs> world makes any sense yeah mm-hmm. it, it doesn't right i i don't how much are wands though they're like was it 11 galleys Oh, yeah, right, 11 gallon. Because the gallon is like $10, correct? Like $100. Like $100, right? Yeah, yeah, I don't know. And you think they're, yeah, it doesn't make sense. So are there people, are there like really expensive wands? What if What if you get chosen by an expensive wand? What if you get chosen by, <laughs> you know what I mean? What happens? Um, I don't know. I the, the money situation there never makes sense to me. No, no I mean, it just points to... JKR's or the scoundrel JK Rowling's uh, lack of creativity because she like can't imagine a world outside of capitalism but like when you have magic capitalism doesn't make any sense at all at all so whatever it's like why would you have like patched and frayed robes when Reparo exists like that's literally doesn't make any fucking sense and and she's supposed to be good at that, right? Um, Molly's supposed to be yeah, good totally. at fixing, sewing, like house magic. Um, so it, it was very odd to me that they would have, and he was the only one I felt like with frayed robes. So I don't know. Or like, or like his terrible dress robes. Yeah. <sighs> yeah, like she couldn't just sew him some, you but know? What is Charlie and, and Bill doing? I'm not letting my little brother go to the prom in my auntie's robe. I mean, please know, Charlie and Bill got jobs and left home. <laughs> they did immediately. <laughs> they're different. They're, they're like countries. Of, like, Bill's on different continents. Yeah. They don't come home for holidays. Like, what? They are done. They're done with this. They're like, we do not like the way you move. You're right. You're right. The Weasley, I think there's something really dark that hasn't been explored going on in the Weasley household. Yeah. yeah. I mean, we, we've talked a lot about how not great a mom Molly Weasley is and like Arthur's very much your sort of like standard sitcom like hands-off goofy in the garage Mm -hmm. dad so it's definitely not a super nourishing family environment that they have 
I mean, maybe Molly just straight up doesn't like Ron. Because, like, okay, parents are always like, I don't I don't have favorites. And it's like, yes, you do. Mm-hmm. And yeah, parents totally. also have kids that they don't like. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. So, I don't know. You think they're laughing in, at home? Like, Arthur and Molly, like, yeah, go ahead and I send mean, them on robes. Like, bad. <laughs> but it's like, but it's like, seriously, like, Molly never remembers anything about Ron, like, what he likes. And it's like... And maybe it's just, like, because he's between the twins who are just, she feels like she needs to be hands-on with them all the time because they're troublemakers, quote-unquote. And then Ginny, who she's the girl that she's clearly was trying to have, having all these kids in the first place for that fucking wild patriarchal reason. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, I don't know. Especially as they get older and they see that Ginny is also very talented. Right? So it's like, Ron, Ron is the worst. <laughs> Every time we see him, we're like, uh, even his parents know. I feel like I always feel bad because my, my brother really likes Ron. If there was a Ron Hive, he would be, he's in it. Oh, there is. I found them on TikTok. <laughs> they were all of my stuff. <laughs> my brother's also in the Lawrence Hive, and I'm like, this is the same vibe, really. <gasps> You're right. Where someone lets things happen to them. And then they get upset, like, you know, like, I had no choice in this. Like, you made decisions, and you feel like it's happening to you when you made yeah. these decisions. Yeah, Lawrence, Lawrence, is, Lawrence is Ron, I feel like, even on a very similar trajectory of, yes. like, becoming a better person. <laughs> wow. And being like, really? <laughs> I see you opening my mind. Why yeah. is my girl with this dude? <laughs> uh, anyway... I don't know what you're talking about. What is this Insecure. Oh, insecure. Okay, thank you. Yeah, it's a a handsome man, but he has big Ron energy for sure. And that's a perfect way to sum him up. I have like somewhere, I'm going to make it one day, but I have like a chart of like everyone who has Ron energy because it's like Lawrence Minsecure is the top of the like best possible scenario. Xander from Buffy's at the like bottom of the like worst case scenario. Ron's mm-hmm. sort of in the middle, and everyone else is sort of, you know, who is better or worse at being the Ron. Mm-hmm. So, because it's like it's it just keeps coming up. You have like the the like the dude who's like, oh, you know, it's what, I, and it's just like, what, what are you really bringing to the table of this group of talented people? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. So, and and oftentimes very much about like grappling with the like better women around them let's be real yep. <laughs> so, uh yeah anyway sorry john but <laughs> <laughs> this is an episode where we're gonna disparage both lawrence and Ron. <laughs> 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 um okay last point on ron in this chapter is this incredibly frustrating moment where he's like spying on crumb in the library and is like should i get his autograph and then sees that a bunch of girls are doing the same thing and is like ew never mind just immediately so ashamed of himself for like doing something that he now associates with being like feminine i hate it yeah ron ron is masculinity is so fragile oh mm-hmm. my god mm-hmm. i think that's based in like his he's so insecure and every, I don't think he believes in in anything he does or says. Yeah. No. Which is sad. Mm-hmm. It's really sad. But I also think that a lot of the way that he thinks about femininity and women is like 
really deeply rooted in the way that he was brought up too but it's also weird because i feel like i mean we don't get that same sort of like fragile masculinity stuff from like the twins or like percy you know right so or bill but like bill is obviously queer so like (laughs) right and (laughs) non-binary in our reading (laughs) i mean i do think at some point which is not now because we've been recording forever but like (laughs) there has been an ask for us to read both Ron and Jenny as being trans and like Molly's dislike for Ron being rooted in him having like been supposed to have been her girl and then not being a girl and then like her extra love for Jenny being in that she like thought she had another boy but it turned out to have her girl after all which I think is something that could be super fascinating and also would explain Ron's revulsion towards the idea of femininity Mm -hmm. But like I said, that's not a now conversation because we have a lot more, a lot more to get through and we've been recording for over an hour. (laughs) Welcome to editorials where we rant about stuff. So I just want to say again, for the record, because it bothers me so much that this is such a thing in this book, that Hermione is like, Harry, you're supposed to work the clue out on your own. And that is not true that is not what the rules are he can't get help from teachers he can get help from whoever the fuck else he wants and it i don't know why it just makes me so frustrated that this constant refrain of like you can't ask people for help like how did i mean trauma probably is how harry internalized like no help from teachers as no help from anyone but like so many of his problems would be solved if he was like oh i can talk to my friends yeah. I can get help from my peers because the only rule is no help from adults. Yeah. I feel like that sets the stage for the second half of the series though, right? Like, don't ask these adults for anything because they won't help you. And they don't. <laughs> Everything is it's done true. by the children until the very end where after the children have collected the Hallcruxes or setting up a crew, a coup, you know, Neville's running all the running the show. Then the teachers and the parents roll up on Hogwarts and like, all right, let, 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 let's get this going. But I think it does set that, to me, it, I read it differently. Like, yeah, you can't help, you can't ask the people who actually have the resources to help you. You have to work with your peers who are children and figure it out on your own. Um, and yeah, I, I mean, yeah, I want him to ask his peers. He just thinks he's not even allowed to ask them. Like he thinks he broke the rules by letting Hermione help him learn a summoning charm for yeah. this last task. And it's like, no, you, no, you didn't. That's uh-huh. that's not what the actual rule that was told to you is. Exactly. And I think Hermione knows that too. And I'm hoping that she was teasing him because Hermione doesn't break rules. And I think she thought she was. I mean, okay, she does. She breaks rules for Harry. And she breaks rules if she thinks the rules are wrong, which is like Correct. why we read Hermione is autistic. Because yeah. that's like a really solid and I think wonderful trait of autism is like, that rule sucks. Why <laughs> would I do that? Like that literally doesn't make any sense. And that is pure Hermione. Yeah. Which is still really funny because I'm like, if I were in Harry's shoes, this disadvantage at this terminal i'd be like yes let's cheat how can i cheat this yeah. means nothing i didn't want to be here let me how are all the ways i could cheat at this fucking tournament so i don't die <laughs> like give me all the help i don't care where's the cheat seat <laughs> oh harry anyway yes jesse what do you have once again 
just mad that Harry is just so uncurious about what's going on around him, where he hasn't even he hasn't even wandered around the giant magical castle he's living in to be like, oh, this is where the Hufflepuffs go. Really? Mm-hmm. How would it have been known? Where I'm like, where does everyone live? What does it look like? What's going on down here? Like, are you yeah. kidding me? Especially if you have an invisibility cloak. Yeah. Yeah. And the Marauder's Map. <laughs> he has like everything you, he needs. You, you, he could know every, as many corners of this castle as you could as a student. And he's yeah. just like, I'm just going to hang out in the common room, you know? Yep. He probably doesn't even know where they like party or like where people go to make out. This is this is why he's never invited to the other parties. Yeah. <laughs> the little ones in Gryffindor. <laughs> he just doesn't know where they're at. <laughs> I always found it odd that he didn't have that curiosity. You know, like, he grew up in the muggle world. I would be everywhere in that castle, especially once I got the map. Like, I would want to know everything about it. Like Hermione, I feel like most people who are coming from the muggle world would just naturally have that curiosity. Um, but that goes back to me thinking that, like, Harry's so full of himself. He feels like he's the center of the universe. So if he doesn't yeah. need to be somewhere, it's not important to him. He has that big Leo energy for sure. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I think also part of it is a limitation of the writer. But also, yeah, a limitation of having Harry be the main character. Like, if Hermione was the main character, mm-hmm. so many more questions that I have as a nerd would be, like, how does this magic system actually work? What's going on? Like... I would know that, but because we have Harry just like, yeah, whatever. It's like, he doesn't even read the books about himself, yeah. about him defeating the, when it's like, <laughs> should have been number one. You're like, oh, I'm famous? For what? What are people saying about me? Like, or his parents. Let me figure this out. He hasn't learned anything about his parents, right? Like his aunt and uncle never share that information. And then he finds out there are books about his life and his parents, and he doesn't even read those. No. You know, this is this is such a good point because we get the first book, Hagrid's like, yeah, I like wrote to all your parents' friends. And Harry never is like, maybe I should do that too. Yeah. Who sent these photos? Where did they come yeah. from? How did you, I would ask everything about them. A yeah. photo album full of like the people who knew my parents enough to have photos of them. Like, he sucks. Yep. <laughs> yeah. <sighs> yeah, I mean, I think that... I think when people kind of make fun of Gryffindors for being, like, not very smart jocks, I feel like, Harry, you're kind of like, oh, Harry, if you just, like, read, like, three more books. Mm -hmm. (laughs) We would know so much more about what's happening in this world. (laughs) So true. (sighs) Oh, jeez. Okay, my last thing here is, so, like, Rita Skeeter shows up and she's like, where did you get these screws, Hagrid? And we're supposed to believe that this is the first time that Hermione has been like, fuck, where did Hagrid get the scroots? As if Hermione didn't immediately be like, I need to go to the library because I've never heard of a scroot and be like, scroots don't exist. Oh, God, what is Hagrid into? Like, (laughs) she definitely knew this already. And the idea that this is just now dawning on her is like, I'm sorry, did you forget who you were writing? Like... That doesn't make any sense. Oh my god, this actually That's leads true. really well into my first thing about health and science, which, which is about scroots. So awesome. Uh, also, mine is too. But first, we have to go to personals, I believe. Okay. Welcome 
to the personal section where we talk about sexy stuff. Not as sexy, uh, but Crumb still in the library trying to get Hermione's digits and failing completely. Every chapter from the past three chapters, Crumb is in the library trying to talk to Hermione and it is not work. And it's just all these, like, other, like, fangirls trying to, like, get his autograph or whatever. It's like, oh, sign my bra. And he's just like, uh, no, no thanks. Okay, bye. It's so cute because, like, reading him as being part Vila, which we do, you know, all these girls and Ron are here, like, (laughs) because Crumb is clearly turning on the Vila charm Mm -hmm. because he wants to talk to Hermione he wants Hermione to be excited to talk to him and she just is like so annoyed by everyone (laughs) flocking to him that she's like immune to his his like Vila vibes right now which is so funny and also he's in her space her safe space bringing in these strangers um yeah which is bringing in people who are allowed yeah bringing in (laughs) people who are allowed now that you mentioned that her she may be, she's autistic, I feel like that that definitely plays into it, right? Like, mm-hmm. you know, this is her space. It reminds me of like when I was in college and I would like go to the library a lot because like I'd find like a quiet corner to do like do my work, and then the week of finals, all of my spots would be taken up by like frat boys or like people who like clearly hadn't done anything until like the last before finals, and I'm like being fucking loud drinking fucking red bull like i'm like go fucking somewhere else (laughs) where am i supposed to do my final at if you're just in the library taking up space and being loud and like wearing too much axe body spray (laughs) and so i deeply and so this is how i feel her mind is feeling where i'm like oh i know how you're feeling exactly i know that (laughs) you're just like get the fuck out (laughs) (laughs) oh geez absolutely Welcome to the health and science section, where we talk about magic and science and magical science. Uh, so clearly, Hagrid is either breeding scroots or has ordered them from somewhere. Oh, it's canon that she bred them. That okay. comes out when Rita's article comes out. Right, right, right. Okay, so scroots in my brain are the labradoodle of the wiz- of the magical world. <laughs> um, it's like what is happening why did why did you do this it's just making it's making things worse mm-hmm. and we're about to get so many e- emails from labradoodles labradoodles are very cute the dude the dude who invented the labradoodle is even like i made a mistake i shouldn't have done this wait why <laughs> i'm so intrigued by this okay so this dude in australia who i think was working with a like uh leader dog or a like service dog thing i don't remember how the like labradoodle came about but he was like we gotta get rid of these dogs we gotta like sell these dogs it's like oh we'll call them labradoodles you know and but now a lot of people are backyard breeding labradoodles and it's like and not that labradors themselves being a popular dog are super a lot of them aren't necessarily well-bred themselves people are just like trying to make money so now you have all these not very well-bred labradoodles people are just selling and like Mm. dogs like that can have a lot of health issues a lot of behavior issues like there isn't there are ethical breeders obviously of dogs to have a healthy temper like you know not gonna bite your children kind of dog 
But the Labradoodle craze is sort of like, you have no idea if you're getting that or not, if you're buying one. Mm -hmm. And now it's like Husky Doodles and Golden Doodles and like all of these other kind of dogs people are just, are breeding because there's big money in it, you know? So. Interesting. Yeah. So I'm not, so I have a lot of complex feelings about the Labradoodles and like the kind of, those kind of like designer dogs that people are kind of, because like, again, overall, if it's really hard to do like animal rescue stuff if you haven't addressed the fact that dogs can equal money in a place where not other people have money. So mm-hmm. like, you really got to tackle class. We're gonna tackle animal rescue, but in general, it's kind of what Hagrid is doing. <laughs> Obviously, Scroots have suckers and scorp- scorpion stingers and fire magic and look like weird, like gross under the sea creatures, mm-hmm. but. I mean, probably do a very similar <laughs> breeding program as what will do to get Labradoodles. Yeah, actually, so we're, they are a manticore fire crab hybrid, which is, I mean, fire crabs are an invention of, of this book. They're not like a outside of canon mythological creature, but manticores are. They are have the face of a man, the body of a lion, and the tail of a either a porcupine or a scorpion, depending on, like, what, you know, region it's from, because they sort of span. Which I think is, like, really weird, because the whole face of a man thing, it means, I assume, that they have, like, human intelligence, although they have, like, they can kill anything that they want with their teeth, apparently, and they're very, very dangerous. But being like, hey, dude... You have to mate with this crab is a little bit like weird to me. Wow, the logistics of this is all of a sudden very dubious. Definitely, because a manticore is definitely a mammal and a crab is not. I don't even know how that would work. But I looked into this because I was like, would would these hibernate? Basically, like, is Hagrid, does Hagrid even have a reason to suspect that they might hibernate? Um, Nothing... No, no, no part of a manticore is something that hibernates, but crabs apparently do. So I guess she did have reason to be like, they might, like, half of their DNA comes from something that hibernates. Um, so that's interesting. But I also wanted to point out that I just don't think you find out if an animal hibernates by nailing it inside a box. <laughs> Like At least it was pebble lined. <laughs> I, I know, think... but do you think if you took like a bear and were like, I know you hibernate, so like go in this pillow lined crate and I'm going to nail you in and the bear would just be like, okay, I'm yeah. going to curl up and go to sleep now. <laughs> She'd be trying her best. I feel like part of it might also be part of kind of like, for safety reasons, we're going to nail them into this <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it feels like Hagrid giving Norbert a teddy bear. Like she just... She's always so well-intentioned, but not always so great at having thought things through. She's just like, hibernation equals sleepy. So, like, here's a pillow and, like, a dark space. I made it for you. (laughs) I don't know. That's not really how caring for animals necessarily works. Wow, this is really terrible. But now I'm like, I wonder if her scroot would taste good in butter. Because snow crabs are good. And maybe fire crabs could be good. Throw some OB on there. <laughs> it's like, this looks like a giant, ter- terrible monster lobster. So, like, I don't know. Yeah, it does sound like they got more of the um, shellfish 
part of the DNA than the like lion part of the DNA. Like they just got the scorpion tail part. From the <laughs> is this what happens to them after this book? Is that this is a giant like screw boy? Throw <laughs> 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 some old bay in these motherfuckers. Like I don't know. <laughs> anyway, any more health and science? Oh, uh, I have a couple more things. Okay. Uh, so I just want to point out that Winky's name, I don't think we talked about this when Winky first appeared, but Winky as a name is actually uh, taken from the uh, uh, original Wizard of Oz book um, in which the Winkies were people that were enslaved by the Wicked Witch of the West. And when Dorothy killed her, they were free of their insight of their enslavement yep very cool you know just throwing that out there yeah no good catch all right thank you all so much for listening to this episode of the gaily prophet frankie can you please tell our listeners where they can find you on the internet absolutely you can find me on all platforms at fantastic frankie f-r-a-n-k-e-y um i love to debate talk about a lot of things um, comic books, anime, sci-fi, fantasy, and it's a lot of fun. So definitely check me out. For sure. And I will put links in the show notes to make it easy for everyone to find you. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you so much for mm. hanging out with us. Of course. I always, always time for Harry. <laughs> it was a joy. Yeah, thank no, you. this is a lot of fun. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you all so much for listening to this episode of The Gaily Prophet. Please don't forget to check out our Patreon. It's patreon.com slash thegailyprophet. And if you can, please pledge at the highest level that you feel comfortable. Right now, we are a little under $4,000 away from the monthly pledge amount that we need to get to. And again, our goal is to get to that by the end of this week. So everything that you can do is so helpful and we really, really appreciate it. The Gaily Prophet is a creation of Hashtag Ruthless Productions. You can find us at hashtag ruthless.com on Instagram and Twitter at The Gaily Prophet. You can find Jesse on Instagram at Live from Detroit or on Twitter at Jesse underscore Detroit. You can find me on Instagram at Lark Malachi or at my website, which is larkmalachi.com. The Kickstarter for my tarot deck, Under the Bed Tarot, is still going. It is fully funded at this point, which is so awesome, but you can still pledge if you just want a deck. Uh, It's a great way to claim one and make sure that you will get one when they arrive. Uh, The music and our theme song is by Kevin McLeod. Our show art is by Theo Julian Forrester. And until next time, we love you all so much.